We are happy to announce that this episode of the SW Show is partially brought to you by Humble Bundle. Well, not, not really. We are part of the Humble Bundle referral program, and we just wanted to say that if you like really cheap games and maybe helping charity pending the Humble thing going on, all you have to do is go to humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. That's right. Humblebundle.com forward slash question mark partner equals SWW. And you just do your normal stuff and it just kind of helps us get a couple bucks here and there. Maybe it helps AJ go about his lights. Maybe it's my camera. Maybe we actually pay Corey for helping us out. But again, if you're going to go buy games anyway, it might be worth checking out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Club podcast where we are... Oh boy, we are talking about the longest yes. theatrical release in 25 years. Is it actually? I have no idea. I want to. I, 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 I looked, Okay, okay. Uh, right. This is Killers of the Flower Moon. We're talking about. I'm gonna look while while he's doing the intro. I am gonna look that up. Yeah, this movie was what was it like? 340. Could have been 220. Um, Martin Scorsese's latest brought to you by Paramount and Apple TV Plus. Or Wait, I'm sorry. Apple Pictures, no. I gotta look this up. Uh, it's Apple. It's Apple. It is like Apple Pictures. Yeah, whatever there. Uh, so right now, what did we say was it was three hours and one? It's like 340, I think. Cool. So I'm just, I'm seeing how many, okay, so I'm seeing how many minutes of this. Okay, so right now, Based on the list I have currently from 2018, I'm going to insert this in that list because I don't think there's many movies that have been really up there. This would be currently the tied the Ten Commandments uh, for the it looks like the fifth longest movie of all time. Yeah. Uh, Lawrence of the Arabia is two minutes longer. Gone with the Wind is longer. Well, okay. Hold on. Gone minute. with the Wind had an intermission. Okay, Lawrence of the Arabia did it. I don't, I don't okay. think it did. It's a great movie. That is one of the best movies ever made. Also, to, to perspective, The Irishman is 11 minutes shorter than this. The Irishman was the seventh longest movie of yeah. all time. So, yeah. It's a very long film. had some sort of intermission in it. I, now that you say that, I remember even, like, in school watching it, and I remember, like, the DVDs or VHS have the, the intermission, like, built in them. Yeah. Like, the, the screen for it, like, is built into them. So what's the Tenure. longest movie of all time? Uh, Cleopatra. Which probably it was two hundred and forty-two minutes. It was four hours long. Fuck that. That's Liz Taylor. That's the biggest boondoggle in cinema history. Um. So, but I'm not wrong that it's the longest film in the past twenty-five years. It's yeah, actually, it might be. Looking at the list, actually, it was. You're right. You are 100% correct. It actually looks like the last, like, 40 years or something. Yeah. Uh, it is one of the longest films of all time. It is Killer of Moon. It is Martin Scorsese. It is the first time in a Scorsese film that Leo and De Niro work together. It introduces a wider screen to 
Luke Gladstone, who really her biggest role that I was able to find was in Yellowstone. Obviously, being so scary, you have a bunch of other cast members in there. Uh, I want to start with the thing that I was thinking while watching this. Sure. I, it really felt like it's a it's Scorsese's take on a western, right? Is this is this film? But I appreciated how it still kept the Scorsese-ness. And I and I was thinking of an interview that I, I was as soon as I wa- watched a few weeks ago from Spielberg, like from a few decades ago, and he talked about how he was always jealous of Scorsese because when you watch a Scorsese film, you knew it was Scorsese, where like the whole thing of like like Spielberg is you just really don't know it's Spielberg that's kind of how he does stuff and i think that is very true of this film of like you would see the Scorsese pacing but i think he executes it really really well and i do not think this is scorsese's best film by any stretch but i Uh, do think it's one of his stronger films it's strong but you could cut an hour out of this film no no, i do agree there are definitely scenes that i think he like Which, holds on too long and the stuff like that. But I don't think it's even with that in mind. I still believe I would recommend this film to a lot to many people. Obviously, a film this long, it's hard to recommend, period. But like with that in mind, I still do think I'd recommend this film to a lot of people. Which I will say, right? Especially at home. Yeah, this film is getting in trouble overseas because theaters are inserting their own intermission. Mm-hmm. Did they think this film, people would just watch it straight through in front of their TV? Yeah, I'm actually very curious. I don't. Like, that's it's ridiculous, right? Like this film being this long. Is. Just it's. The length of this film is downright insulting to a person's schedule. Right. And I will be valid, but like I so I saw so, this on a Saturday, right? I did this. One other thing, and it took me from 11 o'clock in the morning to 730 at night. So. It's like this film basically takes up your entire morning or afternoon or evening, whatever. Whenever you watch it, that part of your day is gone. Right. That that is a hundred. Now, watching this at home, or you could watch it in an hour and a half, two hour chunks. Going to be a lot easier to digest. So, I understand the theater you sound a lot more hesitant. Would you walk? And we'll get more off the details in a second. Would you top line if someone's at home and they enjoy films? Recommend this. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a- that's OK. So I, that's what I thought. I, figured, I, I felt like watches would be on the same baseline of that agreement of like you, we both discussed there are some pacing moments. There was scenes that like, OK, unusual rules of spoilers abroad. Like there, there is stuff like I feel like especially like I think they do a really good job of showing the native culture in this. Right. And obviously they, they had a lot of cast and crew. That 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 are actually were actually old age. I still feel like those shots of just showing the culture they held on for like too long, and part of it was I just needed to want to show it off and stuff. But like I felt like they could have paced that better or like explained why we're showing it better versus just showing it too. Yeah, and don't maybe that would help with that pacing problem. Don't get me wrong. 
One of the things this film nails is the fact that it it handles the Osage culture smartly. Yeah, and this, you could, and I got, like I legitimately another, I like it's not another you know white savior film. Mm-mm. It takes the Osage culture. It takes the traditions. It takes the you know, art styles, the clothing, all of that. It respects it. And it goes, you know, hey, this is it's the white man meeting the First Nations peoples. Right. They could have easily gone down any route of white man comes in and saves the day. Mm-hmm. But what this film looks at is white man tries to come in and take over. Because guess what? The Osage are on the largest oil reserve. I think in the U.S. at the time. Hey, okay. Yeah, at the time it was definitely. So. You know, it's. It's this, you know, okay. How do we handle? How do we handle the money from the white man coming in? Right. And that's what this movie tries Mm -hmm. to show at times. And when it when it takes that. That influence and shows how. Osage are leaving their traditions behind and becoming more Western. I mean, the biggest example, right? I liked is, the way they showed that a lot. Yeah. You know, uh, Anna, right? Okay. The Molly sister who you see her in flapper gowns. Mm-hmm. Right. You see also her- that was a, that was such a nice touch. I want to put out to the flapper gown, too, because like it's interesting because like Westerns are these super hard things to pull from like a you're set in like certain time periods. And this film obviously was playing with like the end of that time period because it was cars and stuff. But I thought seeing her in Flapper it was a good also to actually ground the audience of like, oh, we know exactly where we are roughly decade wise, because like as much as they say it, it doesn't show it. So you, you could definitely forget where we are, too. I mean, I feel like showing the Tulsa race riot helped as well. OK. How much do we think people know the Tulsa Rapes right enough that like in a theater they're gonna be like, I know what that is. Unfortunately, very few people know about the Tulsa Rapes rights. Mm-hmm. But I do like how this movie goes down one path of you know, you think, oh, Ernest and you know Bill are they're definitely devious, but like naive. That, yeah, you don't this quite is, catch this is the on. Turn. And then all of a sudden, it's like, as we said, spoilers. It turns out, oh, these guys are masons, and they are very much trying to run this in that way. So I like. I like the Mason twist. I did like that one. I also really liked how they showed, like, because at first, when especially when you're watching Leo's character in the beginning, you're like. 
I thought there was a ch- like I thought he was the villain at the end of the day, but I thought there was a chance he's at least naive to be getting, and then like he gets shown this life versus showing how he was in on it in the beginning. I thought it was very like when they do that pullback, specifically with the private detective, and it was him doing the killing. I was like, that's genius. How they like at least made it seem like at least he's sending his lackeys, or at least he's doing these extra steps, and like nah, it's it's, it's it. it was him the whole time, and he was just playing everyone. Yeah. Oh, what was? I need, I need to pull up the IMDb because I want to get the actor's name right. Um, well, which one? Uh, the main lackey. He's in. Uh, I know we don't. The guy, the guy that's like the like very western guy. The guy where it's. We told you to. Um, Shoot him in the back of the head. Or no. the front of the head. Shoot him in the front of the head. You shot him in the back of the head. What was that guy's name? Um, I'm trying to find him. I got him. I got him. John Simpson. Here's Henry Grammer. I believe this is who we're talking about. Oh, Sturgill Simpson was in this. That's awesome. Okay, maybe not him then. No, I'm just... I'm going through the cast. What did you say the guy's name was? Jack White was in it too, apparently. No, that's who I thought it was. Maybe I look. I can't. Looking at it, I don't have a good answer of who it was. Yeah. Um, it's just because so many people have so much makeup, it's like hard to tell too, unless you really know an actor. Right. Yeah, that's... He looked like the guy in, uh, it's Ty Mitchell, John Ramsey. Um, yeah, it's definitely him. His character arc of, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Okay, I'll do it. I don't want to do it. Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) So good. It's It's such a simple way to pull it. I also, um... The other guy I want to shout to was the... Who's the guy they did with the bomb? What's his name? What's the bomb? The dynamite. Alright, I'm going to put this into context. Mm-hmm. I saw this movie. <laughs> I had a couple beers at this movie because this movie was so fucking long. I then went to the Tyson Fury uh, Francis Ngannou fight. Or I watched it immediately after that and drank for like three hours. Parts of this movie are a little fuzzy. I only saw it a couple uh, days ago. So specifically what I'm referring to is when the guy that, that eventually would blow up the house. Yeah, I know what you're talking about with the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's really, really one. I like, like, he was an interesting one to me also that kind of stood out of like these random lackeys that are kind of like, I like it felt like a video game where you have those like random side bosses. Like I like how they just put them in there as like, yeah, he's this random guy who's gonna do crazy shit. Also, we aren't discussing enough how De Niro is what eighty five when he's filming this role, and like he looks decent. No, he's like seventy five. He's still young. I was gonna say, I mean, he's he looks not de- that old. Yeah, he's still, but he's still, like, for his age, I still think he looks decent and still has surprising mobility for, like, for, like, what he's doing in this. 
He, uh, I mean, he definitely. He looks like an older guy, right? He told him. And he plays the older guy fairly well. I do think part of part of his character, right? Could have easily been trimmed down a little bit. It almost felt like in the same way that you know, uh, what was the name of it? The Irishman sometimes developed that character a little too much. Mm-hmm. It felt kind of felt like that in this, where it was great getting that detail, but there's a reason there's a book. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm trying to think where I'd cut him back. I don't know if I disagree with you, but like to me, I guess the way where I would cut him back then would be kind of like like he's good in the sense of you need this grand like puppet master. But like, I guess I don't know in the same way, because like part of this was you show we were showing him like obviously the community loves him, right? That's part of the puppet master thing. Yeah. And then you're kind of showing him, I guess. Yeah. Maybe I guess part of it is I'd probably cut like that intro stuff where they introduce him going back a bit, kind of that part. I don't know why else I would start cutting him as a character. Yeah, well, I don't know. There were definitely parts where I felt like looking back on it now, I would have. And I, I forget who did the review that I read. Um where he said the film really picks up as soon as the FBI gets there. No, it totally does. That is, that is a very valid. It totally does. It almost feels like between when the FBI gets there and going back, we could have maybe implied some of these deaths. We didn't necessarily need to see them, right? Like how many deaths do we see in detail though? I feel like, um, four, Five. I'm let's see. Um, the, um, well, we've got Anna's the, death. Just, right, Anna's. So we have two sister deaths. Uh, many dies, but I. That was pretty quick. No, no, I was talking about the dynamite. Lizzie dies. So that's three. We have the ex-husband who's the drunk, who's suicidal, who who has life insurance policy on. Yep. That was a pretty in-depth one, obviously. That yeah, that needed to be there. That one needs because it builds a lot of characters, though. I think so. That one and maybe. I think is it Anna's where you do the pullback and he's the grave robber. Yeah, Anna's unique. I think that one you need. Anna's you unique. need you need a, you need that moment because that's the moment he yeah. comes the villain. The moment yeah. you that's the first time you see him in power, and you need that moment. I think to show this to an audience. And I feel like the the house that gets blown up. Hmm. You could have done because this film, there are some weird kind of hard cuts that it doesn't necessarily like 
it feels a little off, but it also makes sense. I feel like we could have had house blow up. Um, Molly sees whose house it is. Mm-hmm. And then it hard and then cuts forward of it. The life insurance. That actually might that actually might be a, that probably was a bit too much. Like do enough where she gets you see her reaction and then pull. Yeah. And maybe him walking through rubble bit, I would pull back a little. Well, you could do that as they're talking about. You could have that as B-roll as they're discussing what's going mm. on. Right. That's not what I'm... Um, there, there are times in this movie where it feels like. The scenes could be B-roll for dialogue. That they discuss I think that is... earlier or later. And that might be one of the problems I have is. You could have been showing this while you're talking about it. Mm hmm. Instead, you're showing the dialogue scenes. The whole dialogue scene, and then you're showing the action. Right, it's it's definitely an older way of making movies. Again, I feel like it's Scorsese making a Western, which is both are he's an older filmmaker, obviously in style, and that's an older genre in style. Yeah. It just feels like you think it feels like Westerns didn't. To me, at least it didn't meld the way that he maybe wanted. Maybe. So one of the things, too, is also interesting is like when Western thing. This to me feels like the first time I've seen a Western since Hateful Eight, like in theaters. So it's also interesting, I think, to see that contrast of two very different directors, but both like both very stylized directors, too. Of, of like the way to tell that type of story. I mean, the funny thing is, right, like the last two. Well, the last three. Um, non-remake westerns mm-hmm. are this Hateful Eight and Django yeah and two are Tarantino and one's Magnificent Seven is a remake so that doesn't count right um, and to me at least westerns fit Tarantino way better than they fit Scorsese if you want to say as a genre piece, I think 100% those two films body this film. Oh, I, yeah. As like, films? If, if someone as films, asks me, I think yeah. it's a close race, though, honestly. If someone goes, hey, I want to watch Killers of the Flower Moon or I want to watch Django, which should I choose? I'd say watch Django. A couple reasons. One, it's a way better Western. It's a bit of Western, I'm not okay. Two, you'll have an hour of your life to do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> That's not to say this movie is bad. Right, I'm not... The film itself tells a great story, and it handles it mm-hmm. with grace. It handles a story that generally has been... People not handled forget, because well. Scorsese's a director where... He he can he gets creative control a lot of times that there are moments he actually sometimes can be good with actual like I think this is a good example in like silence of like he could take a very nuanced thing and still treat it with care. 
Because, like, other times, obviously, we've talked about, like, Irishman as an example. Like, he kind of was able to just do whatever the hell he wants, and it kind of led to him just kind of being very focused and it just being Scorsese, but no one checking him. Where I do think right. he also has the ability for certain topics to handle them with a care that, like, oh, well, no, someone thought about this, and someone actually, like, took a moment to think of the other opinions and all that stuff about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I guess... The other problem I have, right, is... This is going to sound really weird, right? The way this film ends... is... not worse, but is not as clean and as good as... Um, what was the one that we watched earlier? The Anderson movie, Wes Anderson movie. Oh, um, God, I can picture in my head the co- the, the the Cupid City, Comic City, Comet. What what is it? Asteroid City. Yeah, that's it. Asteroid City handles telling the story as a radio play and as a regular play so much better. Mm-hmm. And. To me, it felt odd to have that as your end. Right? Yeah. The problem is, I don't know how you end it. I don't, like, like, you have to, I think you have to end it. Like, I would probably, either, so the old way, you end, you end it with him being guilty, right? And then you do the thing. The other way is, like, I feel like you need to tell one more story of her life, maybe, or like maybe showing it a bit more, or like, or either showing her life or showing the fall of them a bit more, kind of like they started a thing that couldn't be stopped. You needed like a book closer to kind of show time moved on and like either there's either like show the one side of she was able to do something still, despite everything, or they all collapse because of everything. Here's how you end the movie. Okay. Audio is the judge sentencing um, Ernest and Bill Hale, Bill Hale mm-hmm. to uh, I think it's life. It is life. Um, yeah, receive life, life sentences. Okay, so they get the sent the you hear the gavel hit, right? And the camera is on Ernest the whole time as they're going through sentencing. Gavel hits. Silence. All of a sudden, you hear the drums, right? The Osage drums. And you have a traditional Osage um, celebration song playing in the background and building up. Right? Mm -hmm. And... The next thing you see is Ernest and William getting their mugshots, and then they're you put them in the back of a police whatever vehicle that would have been, mm-hmm. and then you end with the Osage dance that they show at the end of the movie. 
So the only criticism I would have is, as I talked before, the thing I would say that is either negative or positive, depending on how much you like it is, this film very much follows the Scorsese beats. You very much described, I would argue, like a Scorsese ending of like the 90s or 80s. And like, nothing that's bad, but like, I'd be curious if that would be the problem then, of like, this would truly be the Scorsese formula. Yeah. But that's the thing, right? Like, people like directors because of how they make movies. Right. People like Taika Waititi because of how he adds humor into his projects, mm-hmm. whether it works or not. You know, looking at uh, mm-hmm. Love and Thunder. Oh, I was thinking looking at um, I, I don't like what's the Hitler movie as much. Most oh, people. Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, I think Jojo Rabbit, I think it's I think it'd be a funny 20 minute skit, but I think it's too long. Yeah, the skit parts of that are hilarious. No, that's 100 percent true. But after like. Like two hours on a plane, I'm like, okay, this yeah, joke's as, way over. As soon as Jojo Rabbit is doing its, like, scene building and stuff that you really don't care about, you just <laughs> want to see Jojo's interactions with Hitler. If that's all that was, if it was a half hour short... Genius. It would be the funniest thing ever. Scorsese makes movies... In such a way that you you want it to feel like a Scorsese film. This does. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it does feel kind of like, okay. You know. We had the. uh, Kind of shock ending of The Departed, right? Mm hmm where Wahlberg goes in and ends up, he's the, I guess you want to call anyone clean in that movie, the cleanest guy of them all. He's that's the how clean you one in a lot of ways. What's that? Yeah. I say, I would argue he's the only clean one in that film. Yeah. I feel like if you ended Killers of the Flower Moon in that same way, where it ends with the dance being that last sign of hope, Right, that thing that had been taken away from the Osage people because of Hale and was, uh, Burkhart. You know, hope was the one thing that the Osage had lost because of them. So mm-hmm. showing them, recapturing that hope and that joy, the way that they did, but also using the downfall immediately fading into, if you want to, that dance, I think would have, that's how I would have ended it, personally. Hmm. If I, if everything else was the same and they asked me to storyboard the end of it, that's the end That's how I would have done it, yeah. I'd hate that ending either. Like, like, it would also shave a good uh, few minutes off the film. Yeah, I mean, it would shave 15 minutes off the film, but that's not the point, right? At least to me. Also, the that's another thing that could be cut down, right, is the courtroom scene. We need yeah. him talking to Brendan Fraser, obviously, because that's who gets him to turn. Or at least puts the idea in his head to turn. So you need that. 
a lot of that courtroom scene, it felt like didn't need to happen. Uh-uh. You know, and looking at another three-hour film that ha- it's not a true courtroom scene, but had a courtroom scene in Oppenheimer, right, with the hearings. They did that right where they stitched it in. Now, granted, you knew kind of how Oppenheimer ended. Anyway. Well, don't, don't get me started on that controversy. So. Having the hearings in there. Felt good, but it wouldn't be a Scorsese film at that point. Mm-hmm. But definitely figuring yeah. out how that's, to. Scorsese is not the you see him in court scenes. It's yeah. Scorsese is the you see that press taking pictures of the courtroom scene. Yeah. Figuring out how to make that courtroom scene impact. Now, granted, the impact is huge of Ernest turning. Mm. Right. You feel like it's his last ditch at trying to make everyone feel bad for him. And he just doesn't work. That turn. I don't know, it feels like if you had done that turn. Even without the conversation. Mm -hmm. Happening. Could have been really interesting. But you, I feel you still need to explain why you turned. Like, there has to be, yeah. you have to have a, a linchpin or something. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Neither of us are Scorsese, yeah. so we can't be the one That's to say true. this is why you We turned. don't have our daughters who are somehow, like, 60 years or junior uh, doing TikToks of us. God, that's right. So I remember seeing one of those and being like, wait, is that his granddaughter? No, that's his daughter. Yeah. I just, when I read daughter, I went, someone mistyped that. I should contact them. Oh, wait, that's real. Yeah. Also, he just had yeah. to cast himself in this. It felt like, is this just a director thing now where they think they're cool because they cast themselves? Well, so, so I want to actually close this on this one. So it's good. What are your thoughts on the Scorsese? Because he's been giving a bunch of interviews where he very much feels like this might be his last film with the end of his career almost, and maybe he has that one more in him, and that's kind of it. Like, what are, what are your feelings of this, like, Scorsese kind of giving these almost post-mortem of life interviews? Here's what I have to say to that. Scorsese, look. You knocked it out of the park, bud. With a lot of your career. You done fucked it up with the Irishman, Okay. You know what's wild, wild to me? Scorsese might have more misses than hits just because Romaku is so big, but yet he is still one of the greatest directors because the hits when they hit are beyond anything. Yeah, looking at his... his filmography, I mean, his misses, it feels like we're only misses because maybe they were a little too out there. Mm-hmm. Well... Uh... Kundun, big miss. Um, Vax for Bertha. I mean, that's his second film. Can you really hold it on him to like? And it's a low budget. Who talks about New York, New York? Who talks about it? Yeah. Um, 
I definitely still hear people reference it. After hours? I, uh, I don't know if after hours is a stinker more than it just didn't hit, right? No one's talking about bringing, bringing out the dead. Oh, oh no. I don't think the cast actually really good. No one talks about that film. But it's pretty much, once you hit 2002, he might not have a miss. Until 2019. Okay, okay. So, but you know what I'm saying? Like, look how long that hit list is, though. I mean, Silence is one of those where it's. You have to be in the right mood to watch it, but I do think it's objectively a good film. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't a huge hit, if I remember right. No. Yeah, no, no. it only made $24 million at the box office. Oh, no, that was his box office. It was one of his worst yeah. in modern times. But... Yeah, I mean... If we... Silence is good the fact that his previous film was wolf though wolf of wall street it definitely mm-hmm. feels like everything since then has not been great silence it's a mood thing definitely irishman there's no mood where that's going to be a great movie it's killers a good movie but it's never a great movie yeah killers i don't know I think part Killers of it's just is so damn long. Killers is for sure his best since Wolf, but yeah. I think Wolf beats it. Oh, yeah. Wolf has so much fun in it. And the pacing That's is so most good. most fun film. Like, even though it's... Is it three hours? It's damn close to three hours. Yeah, it's super long, but it's you never know. It's three hours on the dot. Yeah, but you don't know. You no, forget you were watching a film. Lies by. Because you're watching a man that you hate, but you also adore. Mm-hmm. Killers, it just feels like it doesn't have that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah uh, final thoughts. I ask AJ, if I put a gun to you right now, do you recommend someone watch this film? Uh, once it's out on Apple Plus, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's valid. I do enjoy the theater one for this one, but I think there is a you have to be the right person. It's not a, like you're blindly recommending that to people. I mean, it's just tough to be like. It's just tough to say, hey, I hope you don't have anything going on this after like the rest of your day. Mm-hmm. Here's a movie to go watch. It's tough to recommend it on that basis. So that's why I say once it's out on once it's out on Apple TV, this is the easy one of the easiest recommends. We'll be there. Apple TV. This year, if Napoleon hits the way I think it's going to hit. Apple TV will just be like, where did it come from making films? Yeah. That'll be interesting. We'll do it for us here. Uh, keep an eye out, obviously, on the feeds starting next week for 
a stub show. Sorry, we're a bit behind. We had some fun schedules because this movie's so long and we had to find actual time to see it. But yeah, we will catch all of you again soon. Say bye-bye, AJ. Bye-bye now. The SW Show and all of its affiliate podcasts are podcast by me, Mike Maroney, and AJ Losey, by sometimes by our contributors, including Corey King. You can follow the SWW Show on social media at the SWW Show, or sooner or later you go to patreon.com slash SWW to help us out. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.